It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Last Wednesday evening, if you looked out over Whitehall in the heart of Westminster, what you'd see was a tide of people protesting at the gates of Downing Street and in Parliament Square, holding up purple placards demanding trans rights now. In recent years, gender and how we identify ourselves, an intensely personal matter, has somehow morphed into a very public culture war. We say no to males in any spaces and services designed exclusively for women and girls. We know that trans women access women's services anyway. We don't believe there are any proposed changes to the, in the bill that will impact on single-sex spaces, which already operate on a basis of self-ID. But when MSPs, members of the Scottish Parliament, voted on a new gender recognition reform bill, that culture war became a constitutional one. In a quarter of a century of devolved government in Scotland, no law passed by its parliament has been blocked by its UK counterpart. Until now, Scotland's gender recognition bill has been stopped in its tracks, prompting fury from Scotland's first minister. So what is the gender recognition reform bill? How would it actually change the law? And how is it now becoming part of the campaign for Scottish independence? the Westminster government to, to be vetoing this bill, it's not just an attack on trans people, it is an attack on Scottish devolution and on Scottish democracy. So this is a UK government that sees an opportunity to stoke a culture war. I think wrongly, and I think they're very misguided and mistaken about that, but in doing so, undermining the Scottish Parliament and we will defend it. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the gender law dividing the UK. 
It all began with a manifesto pledge. When the SNP returned to power in Scotland in 2021, as promised, they set about changing the laws around gender recognition. The current laws across the UK allow people who are over 18 and who've been diagnosed with gender dysphoria caused by a mismatch between biological sex and their gender identity to change their legal gender and acquire what's called a gender recognition certificate. But that process is often described as difficult and invasive by the trans community. So the Scottish Parliament voted to simplify it with a new system called self-identification. If all of that sounds rather complicated, let me introduce you to our man in Edinburgh, who's followed the story closely. My name's Mark McLaughlin. I'm the political correspondent for The Times in Scotland. Mark, take us back to, just before Christmas, to a debate, a vote that took place at Holyrood in the Scottish Parliament that really made headlines around the world. The result of the vote on motion 7312 in the name of Shona Robison is yes, 86, no, 39. There were no abstentions. The motion is therefore agreed. It was one of the most extraordinary three days that I've witnessed in the Scottish Parliament. The vote was originally tabled for two days, but the Conservatives lodged a whole series of reckon amendments and raised a whole series of points of order in order to try and frustrate this legislation to stop it going through to maybe delay it into the new year. It Ah. got to the point where the leader of the Scottish Conservatives, Douglas Ross, was threatened to be held in contempt of Parliament because of the number of spurious points of order that he was raising. Has that ever happened before? They raise spurious points of order, all MSPs do regularly of all parties, but this was on a whole new level and Parliament ended up sitting past midnight on two days, which they don't really do in the Scottish Parliament. Sitting past midnight, I can't remember a time that's ever happened, if it ever has. So this was clearly a controversial vote. How did it get to that final day three, which is, as you say, very unusual? Just describe what happened. The SNP MSPs and the MSPs that supported it were bullish and they said we'll sit all night and all day if we have to get this legislation through on time before Christmas. So it finally did pass. They managed to exhaust the Conservative points of order and then there was applause from the gallery. We will continue. From the transgender people, but there were also cries of shame. The next... We will suspend business. And then one feminist who turned out to be a comedian hiked up her skirt and apparently flashed her genitals. Or on closer inspection, it turned out to be a pubic wig. She was lightly investigated by police and no further action was taken. But she shouted a stream of obscenities. And there was a flavour of this throughout the whole debate, you know, when amendments passed and fell, there would be people shouting from the gallery, which it's not allowed, so Parliament was suspended, the people were given a talking to or escorted out. 
So many firsts for the Scottish Parliament there, sitting until past midnight, a debate going on for three days, almost holding people in contempt and a pubic wig. This was clearly a really contentious debate, full of raw emotion on all sides. Take us back to the bill that was actually being debated, though. Just very simply, describe what is Scotland's gender bill and, you know, what are the changes that it was proposing? So the bill itself is very technical and it was going to change the registration process for people to obtain a gender recognition certificate, which they can already do within law. At the moment, uh, they have to have lived in the required gender for two years. They need to get a medical diagnosis of gender dysphoria. And it's a huge bureaucratic medicalised process, which causes a lot of distress for transgender people who are already, you know, going through a kind of massive change in their identity. So what Nicola Sturgeon and her party decided to do was make it a bit gentler for them. So they would only have to live in the required gender for three months. They reduced the age that you can transition from 18 to 16 Um, That's proved to be controversial. Some people believe that's too young. The SNP argued that if you're old enough to start a family and go to war, then you're old enough to decide what gender you want to live under. So those were the fairly technical changes. They also removed the need for the diagnosis of gender dysphoria, which, as I mentioned, the trans people regarded as being over-medicalised. The big sticking point for a lot of people, the most emotive sticking point, was the potential for men to pose as women to gain access to women's spaces. And just explain how this bill makes that possible. It doesn't, really. So, at the moment, leisure centres and women's spaces have a duty to accommodate someone in their acquired gender. So if someone presents as a woman and wants to use the ladies' changing room, the general presumption is that any facility should accommodate them unless they have some specific safeguarding issue. But there's a very high test. They would have to demonstrate that or potentially they could be sued under the Equality Act, uh, UK law, which uh, we'll come to later. Before we get on to the UK government's involvement in this, just describe for us the practicalities. If this bill, now that it's passed, it's been voted in, the moment it becomes law, what changes practically across the UK? What difference would it make if this was the law in Scotland? How would it affect people everywhere? So across the UK, theoretically, and it's not a given, but theoretically, someone could cross the Scottish border get one of these more easily obtainable gender recognition certificates, change from being a man to a woman, and then go down south with their Scottish gender recognition certificate. The Scottish government's counter-argument was that self-identification is recognised in something like 30 countries around the world. So if somebody came in from like Canada or some states in the United States that recognised this, the UK government would have no problem with this. Now, what this has subsequently done has triggered review. So now the UK government, on the back of the Scottish bill, is looking at the law in other parts of the world to say, is this compatible with UK law? And should we let these people live as their acquired gender with all of the rights of their acquired gender in the UK? 
you describe the scene of the debate, it's clearly divided, certainly Scottish politics, but beyond politics too. Tell us a bit about the factions on both sides of this debate in Scotland. So the factions are generally the LGBTI community are all lined up for it. It's really upsetting and it makes me absolutely furious that we're being used as a political football. I'd like them to define what women's rights are that they're going to be affected. I mean, is it the right to equal pay? Is it the right to uh, equal employment? Is it the right to fair medical treatment? Um, None of those things actually get impacted by trans people. Most of the Scottish National Party are for it. The Green Party are for it. Liberal Democrats are for it. Most of the Labour Party, the Scottish Labour Party, are for it. And then on the other side, you've got the Conservative Party. You have got quite a sizable number, relatively, of rebels and the SNP and the Labour Party who are against it. And then you have a collection of women's groups. I think the most prominent is a group called For Women Scotland. We say no to males in women's prisons. They're a feminist group who fear that giving people who are born male the rights of women will erode women's rights that they have you know, been hard won over the last century. The primary concern is for women's safety. And the notion that you could walk into a changing room and see what is visually a man who identifies as a woman, who by law, even as the law stands, this trans woman would be is entitled to be in there. But they think that by making it easier to get a a gender recognition certificate, we're going to see more of this. So those are the main factions lined up. There's clearly a depth of feeling on all sides of this debate. What was it that made the SNP want to push this bill through? Why is it that Scotland has careered ahead in in this issue, whereas the UK still hasn't passed many of these laws? So Nicola Sturgeon will say that she just wanted to do right by transgender people for the reasons that I've set out, that it was too over-medicalised and it was a tortuous process for transgender people and she just wanted to do right by them. I'm a feminist, I will argue for women's rights, I will do everything I can to protect women's rights for as long as I live. But I also think it's an important part of my responsibility to make life a little bit easier for stigmatised minorities in our country. There's been a kind of long lead-in to this bill. She gave a speech at the United Nations in 2019 talking about her feminism. And during that speech, she mentioned the fact that she did not believe that transgender rights were a threat to women's rights. And that prompted the first whispers of the rebellion that we saw when this bill was passed. There was a WhatsApp group started amongst a group of feminist MSPs and they were tweeting out excerpts of the speech and saying, FFS, I don't need to spell out what that means, that the first minister's really not speaking for the party here. And then that subsequently came to a head when they decided to legislate. 
her opponents, particularly the Conservatives, have accused her of deliberately choosing a divisive culture wars issue that would open up a new front in the Scottish independence debate. Their opponents say that she knew fine well that this bill would be in breach of the Equalities Act, and that remains to be seen. But they say that she deliberately chose an issue that would be divisive, that she could then use as another wedge to break up the United Kingdom. In terms of the people who oppose it, they say that they oppose it because it breaches UK equalities law, Part of the reasons that we've already spelled out that it could allow people to masquerade as women to gain access to women's spaces. They have safety concerns. Coming up, how the Gender Recognition Reform Bill and Westminster's reaction to it has heated up the debate for Scottish independence. That's in just a moment. I'm Henry Zeffman, and I'm Associate Political Editor at The Times. It's my job to take you to the heart of Westminster, working out what's really going on in the corridors of power. We can only do this thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss Mark take us back to that debate just before Christmas it was clearly having quite a reaction causing ripples across Scotland as the results came through as the vote went through what was happening down in Westminster? What was the reaction there? So the reaction down in Westminster was fairly muted. They just let the Scottish Parliament get on with it. And then after the bill was passed, 
we started to get noises from Westminster that they were probably going to challenge this bill. Lots of people have got concerns about this new bill in, in Scotland, about the impact it will have on women and children's safety. So I think it's completely reasonable for the UK government to have a look at it. They had 30 days to challenge the bill. They basically took it close to the wire a couple of days before the deadline, before they finally vetoed it. Today, I will make an order under Section 35 of the Scotland Act 1998 preventing the Gender Recognition Reform Scotland Bill from proceeding to royal assent. This order... And Mark, just talk us through the process, because, you know, I think a lot of people know that many of these laws are devolved, but we've never really seen the Westminster government interfering like this before. Take us back 20 years ago, when the Scottish Parliament was set up, what is the mechanism that they're using to be able to assert their stamp on this particular law? So in Scotland, you have to know your sections. There are <laughs> Excellent there, tip. Yeah, the, you have to know your sections. There are sections of the Scotland Act which constrain the Scottish Parliament. Now, the Section 30 order was the procedure that the UK government used to temporarily devolve the power to hold an independence referendum in Scotland in 2014. And that is the procedure that Nicola Sturgeon has requested again, another Section 30 order, another temporary transfer of power to hold her second independence referendum. There's another section called Section 33 that says if the, the Scottish Parliament passes a law that the UK government believes may be illegal, a breach of UK law, it can refer this to the Supreme Court and then it can let the judges decide. And then there is the procedure that the UK government has used for the first time called Section 35. that literally stops the bill from being sent to the king for sign-off. A bill in the UK, including Scotland, doesn't become law until it's been signed by the king. It's got a process called royal assent. So the UK government has intervened, taken this bill out of the king's red box and said, no, we're not even sending that to the king because it's so egregiously out of kilter with UK law. Um, and that's never been used before. Now that Westminster has announced that they are going to act, do we have a sense of what's inspired them to do this? Rishi Sunak uh, came to Scotland uh, the, the Thursday before the bill was officially vetoed by Westminster. And he said, this is just housekeeping. This is just routine due diligence. It was always envisaged in the Scotland Act that Westminster could veto bills that they said impinged on UK law. But the Scottish nationalists felt that this was a Westminster power play. It was designed to give the Scottish nationalist a bloody nose, to put Scotland back in its box, to roll back the boundaries of devolution. Mr Speaker, let me be crystal clear. This is the Conservative Party seeking to stoke a culture war against some of the most marginalised people in society. And Scotland's democracy is simply collateral damage. This is simply about protecting UK-wide legislation about ensuring the safety of women and children. This is not... What are the legal reasons why they say that this law can't apply in Scotland when it doesn't to the rest of the UK? So they say they can't have two gender recognition regimes north and south of the border. They say it's going to cause all sorts of problems. 
One example that they used was same-sex schools. So because the bill reduces the age of that you can get a gender recognition certificate from 18 to 16, you'll potentially have schoolboys who change gender and then could move south and they could potentially be eligible to go to a girls' boarding school. And that raised all sorts of issues for the UK government. The bill also risks creating significant complications from having two different gender recognition regimes in the UK and allowing more fraudulent or bad faith applications. Would they be able to take the status south or would they be one gender in Scotland and a different gender in the rest of the UK? Technically, yes, because if the Scottish government recognises their gender recognition certificate in Scotland, but the UK government does not for registrars in England, you could potentially be male in Scotland and female in England. But yeah, that is one of the contradictions that the UK government said that this bill could not reconcile. The bill would have a serious adverse impact, among other things, on the operation of the Equality Act 2010. Those adverse effects include impacts on the operation of single-sex clubs, associations and schools, and protections such as equal pay. The Equality Act protects people's rights. And within the Equality Act, you have women's rights and you also have transgender rights. And what the Scottish government is trying to do is to shore up the transgender rights. So what the UK government believe is that by extending the rights of transgender people, you are diminishing the rights of women. And this is always a balance, but the UK government believe that the Scottish Parliament has struck the wrong balance. And since Westminster has announced this move, What's the reaction been from the SNP? So Nicola Sturgeon has said that she is going to challenge this in court and she is very, very, very confident of success. Now, this has to go to the Court of Session in Scotland in the first instance. That is the highest civil court in Scotland and they will make a ruling. Now, that's not the end of the matter because the rulings of the Court of Session are subject to review by the Supreme Court. So potentially, given that nobody seems to agree on this, you could potentially have this being approved, the bill being approved by the Court of Session in Scotland and then overturned by the Supreme Court in London. And ultimately, if that happens, you know, it ends up with, you know, what real power does the Scottish Parliament have if the UK Parliament, the UK government, can just unilaterally veto our laws? And then this will be more grist for the mill for the independence campaign. Mark, we'll come on to independence in, in just a moment, but what are the legal views that you're hearing about the strength of this case? Now... A lot of senior judges have spoken out about this in the past few days. Probably the most senior is Lord Hope. Now, he's a former Lord President, the most senior judge in Scotland. He's also a former Vice President of the Supreme Court, the final Court of Appeal, the place where this bill could ultimately end up. And his reading of this was this is a colossal 
waste of money by the nationalists. He said that they don't have a leg to stand on, that the bill is doomed to fail in court and it's just a complete waste of time. But then, Why did he think it was doomed to fail in court? For the reasons that we've just set out um, about being one gender in one part of the country and another in another part of the country and girls' schools and all of those reasons uh, that the UK government set out, he said that document was devastating. So he agreed with the UK government's analysis of the bill. But then you also had Lord Falconer. Um, he is a former Justice Secretary. And he said the objections in this statement of reasons were really thin gruel. You know, it was almost nitpicking in, in his eyes. And in his view, he said... You're only talking about 250, 300 applications a year, 500-odd maximum if it gets up to the kind of levels that we see in self-declaration in other countries around the world. And remember, there's about 30-odd countries that already do gender self-declaration. So it's not going to be a huge administrative burden. And even if you do have to weed out some sex offenders from within that, you're probably only talking a very small number, maybe single figures, every single year. So it's not going to be this huge onerous burden and therefore this veto is unwarranted. So you've got two senior judges reading this piece of paper who see completely different things in it. And Mark, this comes at a time where that relationship between Holyrood and Westminster is already, you know, as you say, pretty stretched. We've just had Rishi Sunak going up to Scotland to sort of almost try and make peace, we thought, build bridges because the relationship had been so strained under some of his predecessors. How do people in Scotland now view Westminster's interference in this law? People in Scotland are divided. The SNP now see, or members of the SNP now see Rishi Sunak as something of a smiling assassin. You know, he comes up and he makes all the right noises and he's not as antagonistic as Liz Truss was. He's not as dismissive and boosterish as Boris Johnson was. He's not as robotic as Theresa May was. Whereas Nicola Sturgeon, uh, during her first meeting with the Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, was pictured smiling. They probably got on uh, in a personable way. But I spoke to Rishi Sunak uh, when he came to Scotland. He came up to Cromarty the Friday before the veto. And we asked him about the veto. And he was at pains to say, this is just entirely routine. This is just the UK government exercising the power of the Scotland Act as it was always envisaged. Nothing to see here. We're, you know, just doing a bit of due diligence here. But of course it wasn't that because it's the first time since 1999, since the start of the Parliament, that it's ever used what some have termed this nuclear option. So it's far from routine. And is there a chance that it'll make Scottish voters more keen on independence? This is the big question. You already see splits within the SNP. The SNP saw their biggest rebellion in history over this bill. Nine of their MSPs voted against it. So there are sections within the SNP who don't like this bill, probably quite sizable sections, which means that there's quite a sizable section of the Scottish population who don't like this bill. And 
Nicholas Sturgeon's next tactic for independence is to make either the next UK general election scheduled for 2024 or the next Scottish Parliament election in 2026 a de facto referendum on independence. So if she gets 50% of the popular vote or more, she will wield that as more than a mandate for independence. Now, the problem for Nicola Sturgeon is that this is not the issue that you use to bring the country together behind uh. independence. There's maybe a sizable number of people who will abstain at the next election because they don't like this gender reform bill because it's so divisive. And, and because independence is so finely balanced, the polls are 50-50 right now, give or take a couple of percent each way in the last few polls. When you're fighting over 2% of the population and you've alienated that 2% of the population by pursuing a bill on a divisive culture war issue... That's the difference between getting your de facto support and not getting your de facto support. And this is one of the reasons why I'm not quite convinced by the unionist argument that says that Nicola Sturgeon knew what she was doing all along, that she deliberately chose a culture war issue to drive a wedge through the, the United Kingdom, because this isn't the issue to do it. So it's a bit like, given the backlash within our own party and in the wider nationalist movement, it's a bit like punching yourself in the face while trying to kick Westminster in the constitutional unmentionables. It has become a constitutional wedge issue, whether Nicholas Sturgeon intended it or not. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, The Times politics and education correspondent in Scotland, Mark McLaughlin. You can find all of Mark's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription. The producer today was Priyanka Deladia. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com code program.